Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. This is my last video of the week until next Monday. I know it's only two stories, but they're pretty creepy. So I hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you ever want to share your own story, you can send it at southerncannibal.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. And remember to always stay hungry. I'm a 28-year-old male from Sacramento, California. For those of you who are from the city, you may have heard of the American River Bike Trail. It's 23 miles long and runs down from downtown Sacramento to the University Aquatic Center in Rancho Cordova. But on with the story. I was biking near the downtown section in Discovery Park. I had just done eight miles from my home and was heading back when I was stopped by a man who was flagging me down and yelling at me. I took out my headphones and I then stopped to see what was wrong. Was he lost? Was he injured? I couldn't tell right away. When he approached me, I noticed that he wasn't looking very normal. Not that he was disfigured or anything, he just didn't look like he belonged there, if that makes any sense. That park is really famous for having entire tin colonies and countless homeless people. This guy, however, didn't look the part. He was wearing a regular gray t-shirt, jean shorts, and tennis shoes. What put me off about him, though, was his smile. For those of you who have heard the story The Smiling Man, it was like that. It sent chills up my spine, even in 100-degree June weather. Hey... He said as he then walked up to me. I then looked at him and I asked if he needed something. I've been watching you right around here and I just wanted to say what's up. He continued. Now, I'm not even considered a street dude here in Sacramento. But I guess I have enough street smarts to know that nobody comes up to a random person on a bike trail and then flags them down with a creepy smile just to say what's up. The guy continued. So, I have some weed, and I want to share it with you. Want to come smoke with me? Again, you don't need to have grown up in Oak Park or North Highlands to know that this situation is bad. Sorry, dude, but I can't help you. I said nervously as I immediately began pedaling away. I looked back at him, and I could see him watching me go with that same insanely creepy smile. He then shrugged at me, turned around, and slowly began walking back towards where he came from, still in that shrugging position. A week or two passed, and I had completely forgotten all about the encounter. That is, until yesterday, which is why I'm writing this story. I was on my usual bike route from the university to Discovery Park, and as I was nearing the end of the main trail and about to enter the park, I saw him. There was a man standing in the middle of the bike trail waving his arms. I looked closely, and I then remembered that encounter. It was the same guy, wearing the same exact outfit. I couldn't make out his face or his features this time, but whoever this was had the same build, same attire, and possibly the same creepy smile. I stopped in my tracks and looked at him for a second time, before turning around and noping the fuck out of there. 
I'm sorry if this isn't the kind of story that has you on the edge of your seat or isn't really overly scary, but it should be a cautionary tale for those who live in my city and use that bike trail, or any bike trail for that matter. Do not stop for anyone. You never know what their intentions are. If something doesn't feel right, move along. Or if necessary, call the damn cops. So, to that smiling man of Discovery Park was flagging people down to do God knows what, I really hope you never manage to lure anyone from that trail. But most importantly, I really hope I don't encounter you again. I've had some pretty scary things that have happened to me in my life. This is just one of those things. I lived in a fairly small town, and at the time, I was 15 years old. My mother was a manager at a quick wash laundromat. A lot of times, she would call me over to help her clean down some of the washing machines so that she could close up the office early. I didn't mind helping her out, or sometimes just dropping in to hang out with her, seeing as how it was summer and I had lots of time on my hands. Spending time at the laundromat was quite interesting, as you could meet a variety of different people. My mother had befriended a lady named Josie. Josie would often drop in just to keep my mom company. She seemed to be nice, but a bit peculiar. As soon as my mother introduced us, she became overjoyed at the thought of playing matchmaker, and she wanted to introduce her son to me, which I had no interest in from the beginning. However, every time I ran into her, she kept talking about how sweet her son was, as well as how tall and handsome he was. I still was not interested. One time I was at the laundromat helping my mom when Josie came in with this very tall and skinny guy. She was super excited to see me there, and she then quickly introduced her son to me. He was extremely tall, maybe six foot three to six foot four, with long black greasy hair pulled into a low ponytail, dark skin, and a scruffy stubble on his face as he was Filipino descent. He was oddly dressed with military pants which were faded and a black t-shirt. I was not only disgusted with his appearance, but I got a very creepy vibe from him as he stared me down with this ominous grin depicting over his overly yellow teeth. The creep vibe was strong with this one, and I often wear my feelings on my face. So I fought back those feelings and I cracked a smile and I then shook his hand as to not be rude. Even touching his hand sent chills down my spine, and I couldn't wait to wash my hands to remove any trace of him. I had never gotten such a creepy vibe from anybody. I had just met and knew nothing about him, but all I did know was that I wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. I didn't even remember his name five minutes after it was told to me, but we can call him John. Still trying to be polite, I quickly excused myself, and I made myself busy by washing down some of the washing machines, but John never took his eyes off me, and I instantly felt unsafe, even though I was in a room full of people. I always kept myself busy until they left, because that was the only way that I knew how to handle the situation. My mother had always raised me to not be judgmental or rude but I just couldn't escape the way that I was feeling. 
just hoping that I would never have to lay my eyes upon him ever again. Unfortunately, that's not the way things played out. It was six months or so, and I'd never seen John or thought of him again. I had, however, met and befriended a young mom named Tracy there, and we started spending lots of time together. She would often pick me up, and we would go to lunch together. I also got very close to her three-year-old son, Jimmy. One day she picked me up, and she took me to her house to have dinner. It was the first time I had been to her house, which was a small two-bedroom average wooden home with old-fashioned shutters over the windows. We began to spend more time at her house, watching movies or just hanging out. We talked extensively about her past and the things that she had gone through with her son's father, and also everything else that we were currently dealing with. I thought we had been very open with each other and also honest about everything that was going on in our lives but I had no idea she was holding back from me. Then one evening, she asked if I would be willing to babysit her son while she went out to a club. Seeing as though she was a single mom always caring for her son and never really having time for herself, I happily agreed to watch him. So she picked me up that evening and she brought me to her house. She said that I should put Jimmy to bed between 8.30 to 9 o'clock and that she would be home before midnight. She said if I got hungry, I could raid her fridge, and if I got tired, I could lay down in her bed or on the couch. Then she left. I put Jimmy to bed at about 9 o'clock like she said, with no issues, and he went right to sleep. I was watching TV in the living room when Jimmy woke up and came out at about 10.30pm rubbing his eyes. He came to sit in my lap, and he then said to me, I think the bad man's here. I was a bit startled by this, but I just told him, you probably just had a bad dream. Let me take you back to your room. I then looked around to make sure everything was okay. I flipped his bedroom light on, looked in his closet and under his bed. I told him everything was okay and that he could go to sleep now and I would be right in the living room if he needed me. I also told him that his mom would be home soon and that there was nothing to worry about. He jumped back into bed, and I then made my way back into the living room. I walked into the kitchen to see what was in her fridge, but I got this eerie feeling from the small room off to the side of the kitchen. I had never looked in that room before, so I glanced over the corner, and I realized this was the small back room with the washer and dryer connections and the back door. This room was empty except for a single kitchen chair which happened to be pushed up against the back of the door. I thought it was odd this chair being placed there, but I just shook it off, thinking that it was just extra security. The spooky feeling that I got even going closer to that room took away any thoughts of snacking. So I made my way back to the couch and then laid down to watch TV. I don't really know how much time had passed by then, but I then dozed off. I don't know how long I had been asleep. I just remember waking up with a jolt from hearing something in the house. The room was now dark except for the TV light, which was now a gray and white screen as the broadcasting had ended. I scanned the room with my blurred vision of me just waking up, and I could have sworn that I just saw a dark figure standing in the kitchen by the doorway of that room next to the fridge, and they were watching me sleep. 
I rub my eyes to clear my vision, and I jump from the couch. While looking toward the kitchen, the doorway was clear, as if I just had some horrible nightmare. Everything in me wanted to walk over to that room to check it once more, but fear took over, and I couldn't do it. I looked at the clock, and it was now 15 minutes past midnight. I went to go check on Jimmy, who was still fast asleep, now wondering where my friend was and when she would be here. I just sat on the couch watching every minute go by. I no longer felt safe, and I just wanted to go home. My friend soon showed up, and she asked if I could stay the night and that she would take me home in the morning, but I just refused. She had to wake up Jimmy so they could take me home, which was not even a 10-minute drive. I didn't want to mention to her what had happened because I wasn't really sure if it actually had. I was so confused about whether or not this was just my overactive imagination or just some bad dream, but I honestly just wanted to get home and just forget about this whole situation. I then took a long break from hanging out with that friend. I definitely didn't want to go back to her house. But then one day, about a month later, I came into the laundromat and Tracy was washing. We started talking, and I then realized how I really missed her. She asked if I would like to come back home with her to keep her some company while she folded her laundry at home. I told her that would be fine as long as she could get me back home before dark. After I got there, I felt relaxed. I thought it was ridiculous that I had felt so scared to be in the house in the beginning. I decided to stay and have dinner with them and also watch a movie. It was starting to get dark outside at just about 7 p.m., and she said she would take me home after she folded the laundry. We then went to her room. She had sat on her bed with a basket, and she started to fold some of her clothes. I sat on the floor, and I took the other basket, and I also started to help her fold. She asked me why I had been avoiding her, and I finally decided to just tell her the truth, thinking that I was going to sound ridiculous. I told her the night that I babysat, I had fallen asleep on the couch, and that I had later woke up and I thought I saw a man standing in the doorway by the fridge, but that when I cleared my eyes, there was no one there. I expected her to laugh or tell me that I was crazy, but instead, she just looked at me wide-eyed with silence. She then looked down at the clothes and just continued folding. That look told me she had something to say, but that she didn't know how to say it. I then said, Do you not think that's crazy? She looked at me again, then saying, No. I've seen this shadow too. I don't know what he wants. I believe he just wants to scare me because he's had plenty of time to hurt me, but never has. I was now in shock hearing this. I asked her what she was talking about and I told her to explain everything. She told me that the first time he came, he would knock on her windows, going in a complete circle around the house, making sure to knock on each one. He would only come after dark, as she didn't have a house phone, and she couldn't contact the police. She said that she would always make sure that the doors and windows were locked, and that the many times he came, things were escalating, and that eventually, he broke the back door one night. It happened while she was sleeping and moved things around the house just to let her know that he'd been inside. She made a police report, but that she couldn't give a good description because she had never seen him very clearly. 
She had her landlord fix the back door, but he would only come back randomly, doing a lot of things to spook her again and again. She said as soon as the back door had been fixed, he broke through it again. This time, however, she heard him breaking through, and she got her son in her arms and ran through the front door to a car, taking off to a payphone to call the police. That's right. These were the days of payphones instead of cell phones. After the police arrived, they noticed that the back door had indeed been broken in again, but there was nothing inside that had been stolen, and all they could really do was clear the house and make another report. They then urged her if she had somewhere else to go with her son, that would be safe, and that she should really do that. But unfortunately, she had nowhere to go. She once again contacted the landlord in the morning, and she gave him the police report number. But the landlord just told her she would have to fix the door at her own expense this time, as he blamed her, then saying that it must be someone she knows. But of course, she claimed she didn't know him. She had never actually seen this person's face before. She had only ever seen his shadow and silhouette, and she didn't know what he wanted with her. She didn't really have the money to fix the back door herself. So once again, she put a kitchen table chair against the handle, just hoping it would keep him out. I asked her why she had never told me this before. How she can leave me in this house like that, all alone watching her son, knowing all these things were happening. She then explained that she was scared to tell me because she didn't want to scare me away, and that it had actually been a full week and that he hadn't come back, and that she was really hoping it was over. I told her that she could never have me babysit for her again, or stay in that house after dark, and that she really needed to try her best to get out of her lease and move. Knowing that it was dark now, I felt very uneasy, and I asked her if she could take me home. But before she could even reply back, I heard this noise coming from the bedroom window. It was as if he had been listening to our whole conversation this whole time, waiting for the moment, the perfect moment to announce his arrival. It was not a knock. It was like a loud, long sound descending downward. I felt my blood run cold as I then looked to her and said, What the hell is that? She hurried off her bed, stumbling around the room looking for her shoes. She then said, Oh my God, that's him. He's back. He's doing that thing again. He's running his fingers down the window shutters. We gotta get the hell out of here before he comes in. She goes to grab her son, who is now watching TV on the couch. And I then heard Jimmy say something very familiar. Mom, is it the bad man again? Is the bad man back? I remember him speaking those very same words the very night that I babysat. I think the bad man is back. That's what he said that night. My mind was racing with fear, and it was overwhelming. I could now hear my very own heartbeat pounding loudly in my ears. I asked her what we were going to do. I could hear him making his way around the house at every window, running his fingers down the shutters. I truly felt like this was the night that I was going to die. She then handed me the car keys as she was now holding Jimmy in her arms, and she then whispered, We're going to make a run for it to the car. You have to open the driver's side door first because you're faster than me, and I'm holding Jimmy. Then run to the car, open your side, get in, and then lock the doors immediately. I'll be right behind you. I could hear the shutters being rubbed on the side of the house towards the back now, 
and I knew that he was making his way to the back door. I was absolutely terrified to run outside, but I realized that he had easy access to then come in through the broken back door. So, although my hands were shaking, I held that one key tightly between my fingers that would open the car door. We both just looked at each other, then at the front door, and then counted to three. Right on three, I opened the door, and I ran to the car, unlocking and opening the driver's door. Then as fast as I could, I ran to the passenger side, unlocked it, and jumped inside. We both slammed our doors, then locking them simultaneously. As Jimmy jumped in the back seat, I handed her the keys and then screamed, Go! Get us the hell out of here! I looked up, and I saw the dark black figure of a man standing on the side of the house, facing the car and watching us. As she fumbled with the keys trying to get them in the ignition, I then screamed that he was on the side of the house. She then started to flip on the headlights, looking backwards as she backed out. I kept my eyes on that tall dark figure the whole time, and he was now lit up because of the headlights. To my horror, I saw him clearly, and once again, I felt my blood run cold as I finally realized who I was looking at. It was John, Josie's son. It was John from the very beginning. He was wearing the same clothes that I'd seen him wearing six months ago when I first met him. He had a black t-shirt and faded camouflage pants. This time when I saw him, He had this look of anger on his face as he watched us drive away. In a reaction from seeing him, I let out this loud scream. I was in such shock from seeing him. I know him. I know who that is. I then said, I don't know where he lived, but I know who his mother is, and I hoped maybe my mom knew more. We drove our way to a gas station and called 911. I was at least now able to give a description of him, and what I knew of his mother. But once again, all the police did was make a report. After this incident, I entirely stopped hanging out with my friend Tracy, as every time I saw her, it only reminded me of my constant nightmare of John. I don't know what else happened with her, or if she ever actually moved out of that house, but I truly hope she did. I also don't know what else happened with the investigation, But I can tell you that about a year later, I saw John walking down the street yet again. Thank God I was in a car this time when I saw him. But once again, I found myself consumed with questions. To this day, I really wonder what his intentions were. Was he going to hurt me? Murder me? Or was this all just a game to him? I have no idea what he's up to now but I really hope he's not stalking someone else now and putting them through what he put us through.